You're listening to Queer Rise of Crime while you hear interviews with renowned LGBTQ authors and up-and-coming talent of mystery, suspense, and thriller novels. Welcome, I'm Brad Shreve. For those of you who have never heard of this show, and for those of you that did but forgot, Queer Writers of Crime went on hiatus after episode 100, four months ago. I'm back today with a special edition of Interviews After the Interviews. Whenever I record a guest on the show, I ask them to stay with me to record a few rapid questions so I can compile them to keep in my back pocket for a rainy day. It's not raining here in Los Angeles, but I'm going to surprise you with one anyway. I have short clips of eight authors who I had the pleasure to have on the show, but this is the first time these parts of our conversations have aired. Before I begin in this special episode, I have an announcement about an anthology you don't want to miss. The book is titled Cupid Shot Me and is filled with short stories by 11 award-winning queer authors who offer you tingling tales of murder, horror, and suspense, all during a Valentine's Day you won't soon forget. I must list all the authors that are in the book, and when I'm done, you'll know why. To start, the incredible Michael Nava wrote the book's introduction. And the short stories are by these authors, Gregory Ash, Neil Plaxy, Mark Zubro, Mark McNeese, Rick R. Reed, Marco Romante, J.B. Sanders, Greg Heron, Meg Perry, Frank Butterfield, and yeah, little old me, Brad Shreve. The reason I had to name them is not only because each and every one of these authors is outstanding, but because I've had the luck to have every single one of them as a guest on this show. I read all the short stories in this anthology and was delighted to find each one outstanding and unique. You can pre-order yours now. It's available to pre-order. And trust me, you'll be glad you did. You'll find links in the show notes, and you can also find them on QueerWritersOfCrime.com website. So while you're listening, go ahead and click that link in the show notes and order it. I'll still be here. Now go ahead and click that link now. Instead of jumping right into the interviews, I have to take pause because my first guest is Lambda Literary Award finalist, Steve Neal Johnson. Steve's full interview was in February 2021 and is episode number 70. He was charming and I enjoyed our conversation. At the time, Steve had written three novels for his L.A. After Midnight Quartet series. And I teased him because it had been five years since he wrote the third novel. And I said to him, it was my understanding that a quartet meant four. <laughs> and uh, Steve was embarrassed, but I'm now happy to say he released The Red Raven in October 2021. Thus, the complete series is available for your enjoyment to read. Sadly, Steve left us on December 13th, 2021 one day shy of his 65th birthday. I'm happy to have met him. Steve leaves us a legacy of nine books. It's sad we won't see more. 
My condolences to his husband, Lloyd Brown, and to his other family members. So now, here you have the interviews, beginning with Steve. Steve Neal Johnson, what is the funniest thing you've heard from a reader? The funniest thing? Actually, I never hear something funny. It's always uh, kind of, I get heartfelt letters from people who, who uh, are, are moved by my characters. What are common traps for aspiring writers? Well, it's okay to daydream, but you can't spend all your time daydreaming. You have to actually sit down and write the book. What is the hardest thing about writing? The, the hardest thing about writing, I guess, is getting inspiration. You, you want your scenes to be great. You want them to pop. And so I, I think uh, uh, finding inspiration for that scene and often finding the, the first sentence in the book or the first sentence in the scene that's really going to um, make, make the scene uh, work. What do your family and friends think of your writing? Um, you know, what are my friends? So, some friends don't even bother to read the books. Some do. <laughs> so, so I actually can't even answer that question. Kristen Lapionka, where do you get your ideas? Oh boy, I get my ideas from literally everywhere. Um, so that's something that's actually been tough in the pandemic. I'm not going as many places and having as many experiences, but um, I think the best ideas really come from, you know, taking two distinct concepts and seeing where they intersect. And that's really where a good, a good story begins. And what, according to you, is the hardest thing about writing? Uh, probably, can I say all of it? I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, <laughs> no, <your> it's <laughs> like writing is wonderful and terrible at the same time. And there are so many ways you can psych yourself out and convince yourself that you're no good at it. Um, and I think that, that that's really kind of the hardest thing. That's something that never goes away, even after you have several books published. Uh, it's just kind of always there in the background. And what do you love about being a writer? Well, I love telling stories and I love using uh, the mystery genre to sort of reveal little nuggets of, of human truth and finding ways to um, explore the, the darkest parts of human nature. And what is your writing kryptonite? My writing kryptonite, oh my goodness. Um, my writing kryptonite is probably, I could write backstory for days and it doesn't always, it doesn't always fit. I, I could write an entire novel of backstory with absolutely no plot. I would love to do that. But <laughs> <laughs> writing in the mystery genre, uh, that's not going to work. So um, that's definitely a weakness of mine, but that's why we have editors. So. Derek Jones, what was one of the most surprising things you learned in creating your books? That people wanted to buy them and read them. I had no idea when I first published whether they would be popular or not because they were very different to most of the stuff I've read. Um, and the other most surprising thing is the number of personal emails I get through my website from readers who tell me 
that they're too shy to post a review, which I would love them to, but tell me how much that they've read them and how much they identified with the, the characters and the stories. That's the most surprising of all. What writer or writers have inspired you most and how? Oh, where does one start? Um, I wrote about this this morning on Twitter. The first adult book I read when I was nine, I think, was Mary Renault book. And I don't know if you know her. She's a writer, British writer, who wrote about ancient Greece and about, well, I suppose we call them gay relationships these days. And I read The Last of the Wine and that just impressed me. I thought, this uh, men having relationships together? I'm like, oh, man. And then later on in life I thought, oh, well, maybe that was a signal, unconscious signal in my mind. Then after that, um, mostly science fiction at the beginning until I got to high school and discovered uh, classic writers. I think I read Dickens and stuff like that. Stuff about, and then the stories that actually were about people, I don't know if there's any particular writer in the formation, but... Later on, you know, great um, novelists, uh, Alan Hollingsworth, uh, Christos Cholkas, um, contemporary writers have inspired me a lot. Christos Cholkas, especially because he's another Australian gay writer, but he writes very dark, pithy, um, rather violent books. But there's a voice in there that I love. I love that it, that it is so raw and so honest. A great um, reader of his stuff. What, according to you, is the hardest thing about writing? hardest thing about writing is saying goodbye to your baby, knowing when to stop. Because as I said earlier, I have suffered from OCD, so learning when you've rewritten it enough, when it's time to send it to the editor, that's the hardest. Writing I don't find hard at all because I do so much research before I start and it's, yeah, it's learning when to stop. What do you love about being a writer? What I love about being a writer is that when I retired, somebody, everybody said, you'll get bored. I haven't been bored for one second. I love the English language. I love every voice, whether it's UK voice, American voice, South African voice or Australian voice. I love hearing those sorts of things and then trying to assimilate those different cultures into what I'm putting on the page. It's the challenge of making it interesting yet real. I think that's what I love about writing. Edwin Hill, what do your friends and family think of your writing? Oh, gosh. Well, they always tell me that they love it, which uh, I very much appreciate. Um, I do have a real, I have a group of um, very close friends who are very good critical readers who I'd like to share uh, early drafts of novels with. And I always really encourage them to tell me uh, to, to lay it bare for me. And I really appreciate it when they do. What was the most rewarding thing you've heard from a reader? The most rewarding thing that I've heard from a reader is that they liked the way my main character, I read a series uh, and the main character is named Hester Thursby. They liked the way that she has evolved through the series because I've worked really hard to uh, keep her interesting and keep her growing as each of the books has been, have been published. What is your writing kryptonite? My writing kryptonite is complete and utter self-doubt. And I'm usually able to work through it. 
But um, I think especially early in the drafting process, when you're working on a um, on a first draft of a novel, when you're still trying to figure out what the pieces are, it can be really easy to tuck yourself into uh, into believing that you don't know what you're doing and that everyone's going to figure it out this time. And what is the funniest thing you've heard from a reader? The funniest thing that I've heard from a reader are my one-star reviews. I love to read one-star reviews, and I love the meanest ones. I love the ones that just like kind of kind of uh, tell you that you you're the worst writer that they've ever ever read in their entire lives. My my favorite uh, one-star review is from a woman named Sharon, and she just said, "This book is a mess." Tammy Bird. What does literary success look like to you? I think that literary success is different for every person. For me, I felt as if I was a literary success already as an educator, but I I feel a different kind of burning and a different kind of literary success with uh, my fiction writing. I have had a lot of success with my short stories, and I feel like Even if you never publish a novel, even if you never become a published author, if you're writing these stories and and you're, you're, there's someone out there that needs your words. So no matter how you put it out there or who gets it, uh, if you're, if you're writing, if you're writing those words every day and, and getting them down, then I think that's success. When you were younger, who were your influences? My biggest influence when I was younger was my father. Uh, as I said, my father um, raised me, and he was just this beautiful soul, and he taught me a lot about life. But as I as I grew a little bit older, I would say also um, one of my biggest influences was my best friend, who um, I met when I was just a kid. And she had a lot of struggles in life and she never, ever let it get her down. And she would always say, it doesn't matter what happened yesterday. What matters is you get up today and you do it again. And that's just always stuck with me. And so I I would say that, that she, that her, my dad, probably. Speaking specifically of authors, what authors today influence you? Oh, this one's tough because it depends for me on what I'm writing because I want to I want to be influenced by someone. I'm a firm believer in reading what I'm writing to get I to to be influenced. And so I have a very dear friend in the writing business, um Finn Burnett, and they influence me every day with that just the grit and tenacity and the words, um, their words are phenomenal. I cannot figure out how they put their words together to create what they create. And I just read, uh, kind of beta read a story that they wrote. And the characters are, uh, the, the protagonist is um, a man who is cis, but he pretends to be gay to get a role and actually isn't really pretending. And it is hilarious. And she didn't write comedy before that. And I'm like, how, how do you do that? How do you, how do you even do that? 
And right now they're taking college classes, teaching classes, writing books. I don't, it's just uh, as an inspiration. Um, I look to them every day for, for inspiration. Absolutely. If you could tell your younger writer self anything, what would it be? Start writing today. Marco Karakari, what was the hardest scene for you to write? The hardest scene to write for me was probably the climax of the book. Um, I didn't want it to be that endless explanation of why what happened, when it happened. So it had to be, I wanted it to be as realistic as possible, how people would talk, where certain questions will remain unanswered and maybe even ask a question in themselves uh, that, that, that doesn't really get answered. So that was difficult to do and I took several steps at it. I hope I got it right. It feels good to me at the moment. I hope readers get enough out of it. What is your writing kryptonite? Man, you're really not making this easy. Uh, I would say I am my kryptonite. I frequently struggle with self-doubt and can I do this? Is this the right approach? I am definitely my own worst critic and my biggest problem. I can throw a real wrench in, 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 in the proceedings myself by just saying, oh, blah, 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 this doesn't work for X amount of reasons. Um, and I'm trying to very much to overcome that. On a scale of one to 10, how weird are you and why? <laughs> uh, mm, seven, if seven is toward weird, six or seven. I'm not super weird. I'm actually pretty much you know, middle of the road uh, for a lot of stuff. But I, over the years, learned to find humor in a lot of places and a lot of things not everybody else will. So I might chuckle or giggle about something for completely different reasons than anybody might think. Uh, and so that has definitely garnered me the odd look here and there. But I'd say, yeah, well, six, maybe more of a six. What does literary success mean to you? Oh, well, getting published, I guess, at this point, uh, getting published is one thing, but perhaps recognition by other writers, that is that means a lot to me. Writers with so much more experience, so many more books under their belt, uh, who really know what they're doing, in my opinion, uh, saying, you got this right, you are on a good track, that means a lot to me, certainly a lot more than uh, money or how well a book sells, that's always nice. And then right behind that would be, of course, um, happy readers, readers who agree with you, who say that you were successful. I think to me, that's how I would define it. What authors have inspired you? Boy, that's a very long list. Uh, well, uh, there was definitely uh, Michael Nava, absolutely, was one of very big influences, I would say, and certainly one, one of my go-to writers, Armistead Maupin, um, Joseph Hansen, uh, when we talk, you know, gay crime fiction or just gay fiction. I'm a huge fan of um, 
John Connolly, uh, Jesus, I always trip, of John Connolly, Michael Connolly, Dennis Lehane. Those are sort of my go-to writers. I love Rachel Housel Hall, uh, who I had a chance of meeting and sort of discovered her writing a few years ago. Those people inspire me by doing what they're doing. And I don't know that they influence me because I always feel like, who am I to say that, you know, I, I took this from that person or, and then someone reads my stuff and says, this reads nothing like that person. But I, I absolutely strive to be a better writer. And these writers are giving me the hope and inspiration uh, to be a better person, a better writer, I should say, uh, and, and see how they do it, how they told a story and, 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 how they set their phrases, and then not copy that, but get inspired and hopefully come up with my own. Michael Nava. A common misconception entwined with authors is that they are socially inept. How true is that? Uh, Well, I call myself a high-functioning introvert (laughs) because I basically want to be left alone but I've learned over the years how to interact with other people in an almost human-like way. Have you ever been faced with the choice of whether to write what you want or make it marketable? No, because I didn't, I've never had to make my living as a writer, so I write what I want. What's your favorite underappreciated novel? It is a novel called uh, The God in Flight. I forget the author's last name. Her first name is Laura, and she's a Facebook friend. Uh, it is a gay romance for gay romances were a thing, and it's beautifully written. The God in Flight. What are common traps for aspiring writers? Um, being overwhelmed by the thought that you have to write a novel. <laughs> and when... Uh, Aspiring writers ask me, how did you write a 300-page book? I say, I wrote it one sentence at a time, and that's how you have to think about it. Wendy Hurd, how do you feel about the future of queer crime genre? I am excited about it because I, I feel that it is opening up. Um, to all different types of stories. I would love to see increasing amounts of diversity, um, age diversity, race diversity. I'm just looking forward to um, all kinds of new stories coming coming this way. Have you ever learned anything from negative review and incorporated it into your writing? Actually, yes. Um, I learned that I had um, a villain unmask herself at, at one point. But and earlier in the book, in another way, she had told her reasons for doing what she's doing. But by the time she unmasked herself, it was like easy to forget why she was doing what she was doing because it had been so long. And I realized that people really want that moment when a villain is unmasked. They want that, here's why I did it moment. You know what I mean? Like they don't want it to be implied. They don't want it to be done through character development. They really want an explicit moment where the villain sort of tells you what she did and why she did it. Um, and so I learned through that that, like, in a thriller, you're reading really fast. You're not picking up on every little thing that was dropped in. Sometimes you really just need a moment where it's like, here's what happened. Um, and that Agatha Christie moment, I realized people really like. So I learned that from bad reviews. 
Most writers have something other than writing that they're passionate about. What's yours? Uh, sleep. No. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I have a degree in painting and I really miss painting. I also played the guitar for my whole life. I started playing classical guitar when I was seven and I played it all the way up through until I started writing really seriously. Um, and so those two things are things I don't have as much time for anymore, but I really miss them and I do love them. If you go to the library or a bookstore, what type of book are you most likely to pick up? I'm always going to go straight for the crime fiction section just because I'm a junkie and I can't get enough. But sometimes I will go for, um, like, I like myself a good sci-fi thriller or something like that, like a Blake Crouch or one of those guys. I like a speculative book, like a ghost story, a vampire story, I anything kind of goth and horror-y, uh, speculative, I'm, I'm all about it. So I will usually go for that before I'll go toward other genres. Before you go, I've got two things. First, I want to remind you about Cupid Shot Me, the Valentine's Day short story anthology from the links in the show notes. And finally, to wrap up this episode, I am regularly asked if Queer Writers of Crime is coming back permanently. Huh. Well, I suggest you sign up for the newsletter and maybe, just maybe, you'll hear a big announcement soon. To sign up for the newsletter, just go to the website or, as I always say, there's a link right there in the show notes. Thank you so much for joining me. Mm -hmm.